Well, last week, you may remember that we began looking at uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. In doing so, we watched in verse number 1 and 2 uh, that uh, Solomon gave away, really, the entire theme of the chapter or the entire theme of the book as he began by saying in verse number 2, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And what Solomon did over the course of his life was he came to this conclusion and he came to this understanding that life really is pointless and everything that you accomplish really is pointless. It is empty. It is worthless. It is of no value. And the reason that that is true and the reason that Solomon was able to say that is because Solomon had made it his ambition in life to find contentment and satisfaction in things that were never intended to give contentment and satisfaction. And I tried to remind us last week that whenever any person, it doesn't matter who it is, that when any person looks to contentment and satisfaction outside of their personal relationship with God, whatever they accomplish, whatever they achieve, whatever they are able to do in this life, it will prove at some point to be empty. It will prove to be worthless. It will prove to be of no value. And so this morning, we're going to build upon that. We're going to look at a few verses. But before we do, I want to share just a couple of thoughts. And as I do this, I am fully aware of the fact that I am speaking outside of my realm of real understanding, okay? I'm about to talk about something that uh, I'm not fully acquainted with, and I'm sure some of you could give me a good lesson after church, and that's fine if you choose to. I'll be cordial, but I really won't care, okay? Now, why do I say that? Because this morning, here's what I want us to think about for just a moment. I want us to think about an oil rig, something that many of us are familiar with in our area. It's something that we see all over the place all the time. And there is a part on that oil rig. Again, I I know that I'm speaking out of my element, but I think I did enough research to understand this, that there is a piece on that little oil rig, depending on its size, this thing called a pump jack. How am I doing so far? Okay, I've got one assurance that I'm doing okay. We know what a pump jack is, right? It's that thing that looks like a horse head or a mule head. Different things are different ways to describe it, but it's a pump jack. And, and here is what that pump jack does if it's working properly. It's going down and up, down and up, down and up. Pumping and jacking pump jack stuff okay now i've just told you everything really that i know about oil rigs and pump jacks and what pump jacks do but here is what i know is that they were designed to be in motion when you go by a rig whatever size it is if you see that that pump jack is not going up and down, up and down, up and down, then you know that, that that pump jack and that rig is not doing what it was originally designed to do. So that pump jack, that entire system is designed and it is intended to constantly be going through the same motion, never stopping over and over and over doing the exact same thing. So it doesn't matter if it's cold, it doesn't matter if it's hot, it doesn't matter if it's rainy, it doesn't matter if it's sunny. It doesn't matter what the elements are. Technically speaking, it was designed to be in a constant state of motion. 
Now this morning I want us to think about that because I want us to look in the last part of verse number 4. All right, in the last part of verse number 4, here's what we see. We see that Solomon says, but the earth abideth forever. The earth abideth or the earth remaineth forever. Now, I want to just consider that word earth for just a moment, okay? Because I want us to think about something. You and I know this. You and I as Bible believers, we would hold to this. I trust that we would. But you and I today would say this, is that the earth and all that we are able to see, that it was designed and it was created by God. Okay, so as you and I believe in the creation account, as you and I believe that God is the one who spoke this world and this earth into existence, as we believe this, we have better understanding than what Solomon would have had in their day because of information now afforded to us. But here is what we now know and here is what we understand is that when God created this earth and when God designed everything in the manner in which he did, he set things in motion, kind of like a pump jack. And so what God did is as he spoke this world into existence and as he finished everything and declared that it was good, here is what happened. Things began to move and things began to operate. And here is what we've discovered over the years. And Solomon is going to talk about this and Solomon is going to address it. And that is this, that since God spoke and since God began and since God declared, this world and this earth has been in a constant state of motion. And here is what we know. This earth never stops for anything. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. It doesn't matter what the elements are. It doesn't matter what the current events may be. This earth stops for nothing, and this earth stops for no one. And so as we look in these verses, here's what we see. We see Solomon trying to describe this the best he could with the knowledge that was available and afforded to them at the time. So notice in verse number 5, here is Solomon speaking of this unending, this nonstop earth and world that he was a part of. He said in verse number 5, The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. Now we don't know how old Solomon was whenever he wrote these words, but here is what Solomon realized. He was saying something like this, Did you know that every day I've gotten up, the sun has gotten up also? And every day that I have gone to bed, every day that I have laid myself down, the sun has done the exact same thing. The sun always rises and the sun always sets, and it hasteth or it returneth to his place where he arose. He said in verse number 6, The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. You know what he just said of the wind? It never stops. It never reaches a point where it has reached its capacity. It never comes to a point where it's incapable of blowing. Somewhere the wind is always moving. Somewhere the wind is always blowing. And so he said in verse number 5, The sun always rises and the sun always sets and the wind is always blowing. In verse number 7, he said this, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. 
Don't you know that that had to be somewhat baffling at times because they didn't have the understanding that we would have today maybe? But he said, you know, the waters are always moving and they're always moving toward the direction of the sea and yet the sea is never full. He said, unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So there's this constant cycle. The waters are constantly flowing. The sea is never full. So it's returning to where it came from in the first place. So the sun always rises. The wind always blows. The rivers always flow, and it seems as though nothing really changes. He says in verse number 9, or in verse number 8 rather, he said, All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What does that mean? It means this, the, the ears and the eyes, they're never, they're never to a point of, of incapable or an incapacity of processing more. So long as we have vision and so long as we have hearing, we're never going to run out of the ability to hear and to see and to process. Then he said in verse number 9, The things that hath been, it is which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. What is Solomon declaring? He is declaring this. By way of man's experience, it's not like, generally speaking, that there's anything new. One person may experience something that maybe another person hasn't experienced, but, but what this person has experienced really isn't anything out of the ordinary or anything out of the usual. I mean, what has happened today, it happened in the past, there's nothing really new under the sun. And the story and the thought just continues in verse number 10. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. So here's what Solomon says. We understand this. We know this. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. He says in this earth of constant motion, in this earth with constant movement, Here's what you have. The sun always rises and the sun always sets. The wind always blows, either from the north or the south, but it always goes back to where it came from and it just continues over and over again. The rivers run and the seas are never full. The eyes and the ears can never be fully satisfied with the hearing and the seeing. And truthfully, there's nothing new that is under the sun. What man experiences today man experienced in the past. So in this constant state of motion, go back to verse number 4 for just a moment. He said in verse number 4, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh. One generation passeth away and another generation cometh. What is he talking about there? He's talking about mankind. We understand this to be true, right? He's talking about mankind. And so here's what he is saying. He is saying this, that just as the sun always rises and the sun always sets and the wind always blows and the, and the rivers are always flowing to the sea, as that is happening, there is something else that is constant in this constantly moving earth that we're a part of. One generation dies, and another generation comes. It's a never-ending process. 
And we know that to be true, do we not? I was thinking about it this week. You know this as well as I do. There's never been a shortage on people. We've never been in a position of iffy. Right? It's kind of iffy whether or not we're going to have enough people replace this set of people. And so one generation passes away, and what Solomon has noticed, just like of the wind and the sea and the rivers and everything else, as he has observed mankind, here's what he realizes. You know what? Somebody dies, and there's someone there after them. One generation passes away, and another generation comes up after them. It's just one big cycle, and notice what he said in verse number 11. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Now, think on that first statement for just a moment. There is no remembrance of former things. Is that true? By and large, the answer is yes, it is true. If you're like me, here's what you're fairly decent at. You're fairly decent at remembering your parents. Some of you aren't even convinced of that, it appears this morning. But, but some of us are fairly good at remembering our parents, and we're mindful of our parents. And, and some of us, depending upon our age and the age of our grandparents, we can remember our grandparents a little bit. Can you remember them maybe just a little bit? You might even be like me where you could say something like this because of age and longevity and, and things of that nature. You could say, you know, I even remember something about my great-grandparents. I remember going to their house. I remember this, 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 whatever it may be. But let's start talking about great-great-grandparents. Great-great-great-grandparents. And outside of a little bit of information that may have been passed on down through the years, the truth of it is this. We don't remember anyone from generations gone by. We may look up our ancestry on a website. We may find out that this person was related to us or this person was a part of the family. There may be certain things that we can learn these days with technology but every one of us know this, we do not remember previous generations. So as Solomon said that there is no remembrance of former things by way of the generations that have passed, he said, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. What does that mean? It means just what we think it does. Solomon said that just as we don't remember what happened in the past, there is coming a day that those who replace us, they're not going to remember what we did. I don't know about you, but man, but it's true. There is coming a day that everything that my life has consisted of no one will remember it. 
There is coming a day that everything your life has consisted of, no one will remember it. I was thinking about it again this week. I was thinking about my life, and I thought, okay, what will be said of me in 60, 70, 80 years? All right, in 60, 70, 80 years, my grandkids will be old. You get this? Great-grandkids will not remember anything about me, and if they Google me, you know what they'll find on the Internet? Grandpa did a lot of funerals in a place called Pampa. Because that's what my name comes up when you Google me. I did this funeral, this funeral, this funeral, this funeral. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. There is coming a day when we will not be remembered. Everything we've done, everything we've accomplished, everything that we engaged in, it will be forgotten. And Solomon recognized that, that even as the king of Israel, there was coming a day that as his generation passed, there would come a day that the next generation would not remember what he had done. And again, by and large, that is completely true. If it were not for the scriptures giving us some insight on his life, we would know nothing of Solomon. So if Solomon was eventually forgotten, it makes sense to think we will eventually be forgotten. So as all this is being said, notice what, what Solomon said in verse number 3. He said, What profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? What profit? What benefit is there? What good does this do anyone? All of my labor, all of my work, all of my toil, everything that I have done, Solomon says, what good is it? Because one day I'm going to die, and whenever I die, another generation's going to replace me. There's never going to be this great void in the earth because I am no longer a part of this earth. One day I'm going to be replaced, and everything I've done, it's going to be forgotten, just like I've forgotten everybody before me. And Solomon says, what profit is there in all this? This morning I want to remind us of the answer one more time. It's very similar to the answer last week and what we talked about last week. But the answer to the question that Solomon asked, What profit hath the man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun, is this. There is no profit to it. There is no point to it. There is no value at all in what we are doing. If all we are doing is like what Solomon did, existing and living day to day, seeking out our own pleasure, seeking out our own joys, seeking out our own desires, pursuing our wants and our dreams and ambitions, if that is our approach to life like Solomon, then there is no point or purpose to you and I even existing except to fill a slot in human population. 
This world just keeps on moving. It doesn't matter what era we live in. It doesn't matter what day or time we're living in. This world just keeps moving. You'll be forgotten. I'll be forgotten. And everything that we do is pointless if we are driven by and consumed with our own lust and our own desires and our own ambitions. So as I was thinking about all that this week and as I was trying to prepare something that I want to be a help and a benefit to us, I asked myself this question. I'll present it to you in just a moment. But I asked myself this question. What can I do to avoid waking up one day and realizing my life was a waste? Because I don't want to wake up one day and say, what was the point of all this? Why did God allow me to be born X number of years ago? I don't want to come to this point in my life like Solomon did where I ask this question that needs to be asked, why am I even here and why did I even exist and what was my purpose? What can I do to avoid struggling with the same question that Solomon struggled with. I think the answer has two parts to it. I'm going to share it with us. It's not anything that the Scripture says directly or that it's explicit. It's rather implied. But I want us to think about two things, two aspects of our personal lives that can keep us from wasting the lives that God has given us and reaching a point of despair when we realize none of this had any value. Here's the first thing. I've already touched on it, but I want us to think about this for just a moment. The first thing we must do is live outside of ourselves. What was Solomon guilty of? Solomon was guilty of consuming himself with himself. What do I want out of life? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to experience? What is it that I am seeking after? What is it that I hope to, to have said about me? See, Solomon's problem, as you read through his story, is this, is everything revolved around him his life never really got outside of himself more times than not. See, if I want to avoid this understanding that my life has been wasted, if I don't want to reach a point in my life where I say every bit of this was a waste and, and all I did was just fill a slot, then something that I have got to do is get out of myself. And the only thing that I can do when getting out of my own self and getting so consumed with my own life is whenever I begin to see others around me, the people around me, and invest in those who are a part of my life. Does this make sense? 
See, if we're not careful, we'll be guilty of doing something like this, getting up every day, doing what I have to do, 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 what me and my family need to do, what me and my, you know, my, my wife or your husband, what you need to do, what me and the kids need to do. It'll be me, 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 me. And we'll come to the close of our lives and say it was pointless. And you know what? You're right. It was pointless because life is bigger than us. And we need to get outside of ourselves if we do not want to waste the life that we've been given. I just want to share with you this morning. If you want your life to have purpose, you need to be finding people to invest in. You've got to find people to invest in. You say, well, Brother Kyle, I, I'm not a preacher. I understand that. You don't have to be a preacher to invest in someone. Somebody says, well, I, I don't really have this ministry. You don't have to have that ministry to invest in someone. Somebody says, but I really don't have this ability. You don't have to have this ability. But friends, every one of us can be that person to the coworker. Every one of us can be that person to that neighbor. Every one of us can be that person to our family member. You and I can invest in people, but we have to get out of of ourselves and we have to stop being so consumed with ourselves and so focused on ourselves and we have to realize that in order to outlive my life I've got to give my life to the people who will live past me so many people even those in church so many people they have such a small tiny world. It's a very selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered world. And they can't understand why one day they're miserable. It's because you cannot go through life consumed with yourself and at the end of your life have purpose and value and meaning. So how do I avoid falling into the same trap that Solomon fell into? How, how do I keep from being in this position where I say to myself, what profit hath the man of all his labor? Invest in others. Invest in others. It really is that simple. Invest in others. Just going to ask you real quick. If somebody were to ask you right now, outside of your spouse, outside of your children, outside of your grandchildren, because that's our little inner circle, you know, outside of those people, I'd like to ask you this morning, who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Who is it that you have made that conscientious choice and that conscientious decision. I'm going to invest in this person, the ones who are not a part of my immediate family. I am going to invest in them. Who outside of you and your family do you have a heart for and a burden for and, and a desire to influence? Well, if you can't come up with some names, if you can't come up with some 
families. It's going to cause some frustration at some point. But the other thing is this. What, what can I do to avoid this? Okay, it's, it's not just getting outside of yourself and, and being consumed with yourself. It would also be this because the scripture is clear. Solomon did not take care of his relationship with the Lord. He simply did not take care of his relationship with the Lord. I touched on this last week. I'm not going to labor it this morning, but it is so true and it is so obvious. The relationship that Solomon had with God was very surface at best. It was very superficial, and it was very inconsistent. It was very hit and miss. I said last week that he was a hypocrite of hypocrites because while he was praying wonderful prayers and building a wonderful temple, he was also living an immoral, ungodly life that we wouldn't want for anybody that we know or care about. Solomon did not take care of his walk with God. Now, if you and I want to avoid a wasted life, if you and I want to avoid this coming to the close of our lives saying, what purpose was there in getting up and going to work every day and buying the things that we bought and going the places we went, doing all these things, if we want to avoid that, then you know what we must do? We must take care of our relationship with God. I don't know how else to say this. We've got to we've got to walk with God. We've got to be investing in that relationship with Him. I don't know the numbers. I can't prove it. It's only a hunch and it's only things that I suspect by way of what I see. But it just seems like so many today sitting in the house of God, hearing the preaching of the Word of God, it seems like so many who call themselves Christians, their relationship with the Lord is neglected most of the time. The reason their relationship with the Lord is neglected in the way it is is because they're so consumed with themselves they don't even have time for God in their life. You can't serve God and not serve people. You understand this? If your walk with the Lord is what it's supposed to be, your walk with people will be what it's supposed to be. But if one of these is not what it's supposed to be, it will be a reflection on the fact that the other is not what it's supposed to be. Here's Solomon looking at this world that never stops. Here's Solomon looking at this world that never ends. It's just over and over and over and over and over and over again. And Solomon said, you know what? Just like it's true of the wind and the rain and everything else and then the sun, the rivers, one generation passes, another one is there to take their spot. Everything's forgotten. What is the purpose of this? There is no purpose. There is no purpose in any of this unless we are investing in others and our relationship with the Lord is what it's supposed to be. I'm going to ask you this morning, it's very simple, I'm just going to ask you this morning, who are you investing in and what is your relationship with God like right now? 
if you had to be honest, if you just had to be totally transparent this morning, and somebody were to say to you, what is your relationship with the Lord right now? What would your answer have to be? Could you truly say that right now my relationship with the Lord is on track? I'm walking with the Lord as I'm supposed to. I'm living the way that I'm supposed to. I'm striving to walk in obedience. Or would we have to be honest and say, you know, right now he's just more of an accessory in my life. I'm living for myself. I'm pursuing my dreams and my ambitions. I'm doing what I want to do. I I just wear the accessory of God because it, it looks well with my outfit, so to speak. What is our relationship with the Lord like right now? I don't want to live a pointless life. I don't want to get to the close of my life and and it have to be said, you know, there really wasn't a point for Kyle being here. He just lived and breathed and paid taxes and that was it. I want there to be a purpose in my life and I want there to be a purpose in your life. I mean that. I want there to be purpose and value and a reason for your existence. But we have to live outside of ourselves. And we have to take serious our relationship with the Lord. Because without that, it will be wasted. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. Lord, I don't know if this has resonated with anyone. I don't know if this has really spoke to the hearts. Only you know that, Lord. But... uh, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that there was something that was a challenge, a reminder that if we don't want our lives to be wasted, it must be invested in others and we must invest in our relationship with you. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.